1: us gassing on about it. Give you in the whore. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way,
0: you know when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Okay, so yeah, as as I was saying, <clears throat> this is a um, slow start. Slow starting episode. Yeah. My brain feels, feels frozen. Well, it is stupid cold today. It is stupid cold today. And, and you had to walk in it. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't actually have like winter boots. These are winter boots.
1: What? Yeah. Really? They're converses with like actual insulation. They just look like... Converse, right? Yeah. Nope. Weird. That's cool. Okay. No, it's like I am um, canvas outing and then there's like some padding in there.
0: All right. I don't feel as bad about your feet as when you walked in then.
1: Yeah. No, my my <laughs> other Converses, I, w- I would not wear those. That's what I assumed
0: these were. Like thin nope. fabric nope. wrapped around your feet walking in. Even the soles. Grips. Nice. Uh, I'm impressed. Converse Makes practical shoes as well. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd have thunk, huh? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's been it's been super cold around the studio here, so much so that I haven't been bringing the puppy. There. Yeah, because the that front door just doesn't seal incredibly well. And I know. So, yeah. Yeah, and I, I've even been I've even been closing the control room door. I love having it open because yep. you know.
1: Is you uh, can hear and see
0: people. Yeah. And when it's closed, I feel kinda isolated. Which when I'm working I don't mind, but you know, when I'm just tinkering or or doing website maintenance or doing editing or something. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So it's been cold and my brain feels sluggish. And it's been it's been Three weeks of this? Four weeks of this now, maybe?
1: I guess, but right now we're in like a really cold slum. Yeah.
0: It's supposed it, to get worse too.
1: Yeah, I guess it's supposed to get to like minus 40 this week. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I dig that because I like the cold. That's before I have to go to work. <laughs> Why? And I just would rather not walk in that. Mm. Do you like, walk to work? Uh, I take a train to the South and then I walk for about half an hour to work. Yeah. Like, are you walking from Heritage? Uh, no, I'm walking from Century Southgate. Park. Century Park. Century Park. Yeah, that's okay. That's Heritage, isn't it? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know where he is that well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Dude, That's rough. I mean, most days it's fine. It's just those minus 40 days, that's where it's... yeah. Usually by you, the time I get to work, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be in a warm building.
0: Why don't you just take a bus from Century Park?
1: Because generally by the time I walk to work, I'm there at the same time. So if it
0: wasn't minus 40 out, I'd say no problem.
1: But because it's minus fucking 40. Yeah, but I would have to wait outside for the bus. So it's just...
0: Century Park is a humongous bus station, yeah, like you wouldn't well, have to wait outside for all that long, I suppose, but like your 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 actual time outside would be less if you took the bus, and if it was a nice day even even a not so nice day, I could understand the walk, but because it's minus fucking forty <laughs> <laughs> Why not take the bus, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm a stubborn stubborn person. person. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. That's all right. Got my Reaper set up. Oh, you finally got it set up. Yeah. Did you upgrade? Uh, What do you mean upgrade?
0: Well, you were you were behind. Not upgrade. I guess you were behind on updates. Oh, update.
1: No, I haven't updated. I just installed all the things. Like I installed the theme, the API skin. Yeah. Uh, Um.
0: Loving, bunch
1: I'm of, that, by the way. Uh, a bunch of uh, plugins Okay, I was loading up. And that was like a full day of like just download, register, download, register. Yeah, that's a pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I used up like half of my um, bandwidth or whatever that <laughs> I'm allowed for the month type of <laughs> thing that day. which I mean, whatever. Most days I don't use that much much. bandwidth. Yeah. Um, I, one of the reasons I
0: haven't made a switch to Reaper for mixing is because I really hate the look of the stock plugins, like venomously hate the look of them so much so that it's enough for me not to use them. They're not very attractive. No. And I mean, half of what I, half of the reason I, use the software that I use is because I like the look of what I'm doing or I'm yeah. comfortable with the look or or I'm engaged with it somehow
1: right well, and I've set up Reaper so that it automatically loads my third party stuff when I open a new track so do you what of the stock plugins do you use I don't use stock not, or at, not very often okay um, I use like the stock EQ and the stock compressor occasionally okay um, like the stock compressor, I'll use it for side-chaining and stuff just because it's easier to do right. than with other, um, with third-party stuff. Okay. Uh, and then this, the stock EQ, like, if I don't want to use the DSP that some of my more <laughs> like the UAV used stuff. EQs that I, I have would have on my system, uh, then I, I use the Stock EQ for that, and it's usually like high pass, low pass. If I do use it, oh, overfilling my coffee. Um. So, oh, and it's not stock, but I do use a JS plugin that watermarks audio. What the? It's a, it has like a... its own. Plug-in language, and I think it's called JS or something like that. J something. Okay. And there are people who develop those that style of coding or whatever it is okay. for plugins. And one person had made a uh, a plugin that automatically adds noise. Oh, so it it allows you to watermark
0: a track that you send out.
1: Yeah. Oh, and you can do that's brilliant it, it gives you options on how to do it like you could put a pink noise or mm-hmm. brown noise or yeah. uh you can cut out every 30 seconds blah blah blah. so instead of like manually doing it the plugin just does it right for you and you get to decide what it does so like you could have it so that every now and again some hiss just gets faded in and then gets faded out so then That's they awesome. can still listen to the whole mix all the way through but it has that noise who, introduced who into makes it. that um who makes that plugin um I don't know but I think it's called punk duckers or ducker punk or I, I watched um what's his name again uh punk
2: duck maybe nope certainly nope. not uh
3: Ducker plugin
1: it's a guy from uh, I think it's like the Reaper forums or I don't know he does a lot of videos on Reaper and like he goes in depth with his videos a lot of times like he'll even show you things where like I'm watching it and I know a fair amount about Reaper and like the back end of it but he'll like Show me things, and I'm going, what the fuck is that? Just, like, complete, like, would have to watch it again just to understand what it was he was doing. Because, yeah, some of the things he shows is just, like, so convoluted that (laughs) I would never think to go that far into it. Mind you, I, I find the things that help me out, and then... That's fine. And then I'll watch those videos and if something comes up, that's like, oh, that is super handy. I'll then take that thing and bind it to a shortcut key and never think about it again. Yeah, right? That's the beautiful thing about about macros.
0: Yeah. I got to be honest, though. I can't think of a single macro that I use that I wrote myself.
2: I've written some.
0: Yeah, but you, you do things a lot more convoluted than I do. Anyway.
1: Yeah, like edit vocals in weird ways. <laughs> <laughs> see I- DS slash <coughs> deplosive. See, and I... though so that might change. I just invested in um, Sonix's uh de-esser. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why that,
0: why'd that? why you choose that one? I, I know you like Sonics anyway. Yeah. But why'd you
1: choose that one? Uh, because apparently it automates itself. It does what now? Yeah. So as you load it into a track and with your S's moving in frequency, yep. kind of, it will actually detect that frequency and it'll automate itself and oh. duck that frequency. Very cool.
0: Okay. So, so it's not just a static crossover point or a static frequency.
1: It it will actually automate itself or, well, it will move where it's going to duck mm-hmm. cool. based on whatever frequency is causing it the problem. That's awesome. Yeah. Apparently, it's really good,
0: so I invested in it. <laughs> I, um, I've been tracking with, uh, with um, the DBX-520 um, hardware unit. It adds just a touch of noise because it's cheap made in China. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't even pay 200 bucks for it for a hardware unit. And it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. I have to turn it off to be able to tell that it's working because it's that transparent. That's awesome. Yeah, absolutely awesome. It does add some noise. And I'm still trying to figure that out, but um but yeah, just it's uh its detection circuitry is it's not a threshold, it's a um comparison versus um so it, it takes your crossover frequency. Yep. And then compares the high frequency range to the lower frequency range, and when that higher frequency range Appears to be too loud of a level, it reduces by by a certain whatever amount you've set. Um, it, it's the same way that SPL does it. Um, the built-in Cubase, um, uh, the built-in Cubase deesser, does the same thing. I, I almost kind of prefer that over over the uh, the high frequency threshold range. Uh, system, you know, when it's over this threshold, turn it, turn it down. Right. Just like, yeah. a, like a normal compressor. Right. Yep. Um, <coughs> but yeah, it, it's uh it's, it's super smooth. It still lets S's come through nice and clear. Like it, even, even when I'm, even when I've cranked the reduction, the S's and and T's and ch- like that, that, that sibilance range still comes through nice and clear.
1: It just does never seem to get overwhelming. I really enjoy it. I'd like to get more DBX 160A's. Is it 160A? I don't remember which one I have. <laughs> I think you have the
0: A. I remember you talking about the having the A. Okay. So you have a pair so, of them, right?
1: Uh, yeah. yeah. And I would like to get more. <laughs> nice. Because they're super handy. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked up a 1046.
0: DBX 1046. It's the four channel. Right. Um... I picked it up really cheap from a church auction and it's not in good shape. Mm. <laughs> it was worth every little penny that I paid and that wasn't very much. <laughs> yeah. Managed to salvage two tra- two channels out of it though. Two channels are just the, the VCAs need to be replaced and some other parts need to be replaced, but um managed to salvage a couple channels out of it. And so I, I think I'm going to use it for um, the intercom system. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you never have enough, never have enough compressors.
1: No. Yeah. No, that's true. I've been trying to limit myself on how many compressors I install on my computer, but I, I know that that list is going to be huge again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, I, that is my main tool that I need a lot of different style of compressors for.
0: I find this is this is one of those mental debates that I've been having with myself. Um, I have decided it's not a debate anymore. I guess I've decided that. Um, the reason I like hardware units more than plugins as a rule (coughs) is because each, each piece of hardware is just subtly different from the next, right? Like if you have, um, you have four 1176, uh, plugin instances,
1: it's all same.
0: It's, it's all the same model. So it's all the same, excuse me. It's all the same response. Right. But if you have four different um, hardware units, you're going to get something a little different out of each one.
2: And I, I, yeah. And I, anyway, so
0: I I think that's, I think that's one of the main reasons why
2: I definitely prefer hardware units. Mm. Partially
1: because I like when recording, I like to record with compression. Yeah. A lot I, of people at work don't seem to like that train of thought, but I'm always telling them like I'm doing it cuz I'm committing. Well, it's cuz you like you can
0: you can have a good sense of what you need to what you need to accomplish with compression. Yeah. You know, you don't have to be you don't have to be incredibly drastic if you
1: if if you don't want to. But well, I, and for the most part, when I'm using a compressor going in, it's like i'm I'm just want to control the volume a bit so that I can uh increase the gain staging a bit like mm. I can push it harder if I need to, yeah, but generally, I'm just you know doing some peak control, trying to control the volume a bit so that I can later on not have any noise floor issues because the singer is really quiet and I have to boost the signal at that, that particular part. Right. Then, you know, rather have everything pretty consistent. And then if I want, um, the singer to be quiet, I can always turn them down. Yeah. Or it'd be a lot easier than compressing later.
0: Well, and even if, even if you're compressing and, you're compressing just a just a moderate amount. Like you're not you're not no. doing any heavy, no. yeah, smashing. You know, if, if you're just compressing a moderate amount, you're still going to have some natural, some natural
1: dynamics that come through. And I usually where, do a fast attack, fast release, so it's really just peak control.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. Um, that, that's that's the beauty of of the eleven
0: seventy six design. Is it's basically a limiter, right?
1: Especially when you go all buttons in mode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, I um
0: did I did I tell you I started using that trick? All buttons in? Um Yeah, I don't know if it was the all buttons in, but the the
1: um the Andrew Sheps kick and snare trick. I remember you mentioning something about the okay. Andrew Sheps. Yeah with drums
0: it's it's remarkable
1: how once
0: once you find that sweet spot because it it really is a sweet spot in attack and release yeah uh, right but once you find that sweet spot just the 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 room and I'm blown away I did it with drums in that little room at the back Mm -hmm. Uh, the room sounded great (laughs) like it was it was the exact snare sizzle that um, uh, Nick from Desperado Pilots was looking for. Right. It, it, it was, it was just perfect. Like it was, it was every bit of splat and, and resonance that he wanted out of his snare drum. Hmm. It was fantastic. So much so, so much so that they came back to me um, with no oh. revisions and said, let's send it off to mastering. And I had to say, you know, you guys haven't spent enough time on this just sit on it, you know,
1: are you <laughs> sure? <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe listen to it another five more times.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're supposed to be getting back to me today with, um, with, uh, with final, um, any final changes they want, but.
1: Is this just the rough mix you sent them or is this? No, no, like this is this, your first mix. This was,
0: so we did a, I did, I did my mix. Right, then brought them in to listen to the mix and and correct the things that I missed. Like I always, because I'm not, I'm not usually the creative person in the band. Right, um, that sounds like I'm not creative, but that's probably true. Uh, <laughs> um, in this case, in this case, Phil, the lead singer, um, he's the creative genius in the band. Like he's, he's the the brains of the band, not to say the other guys don't contribute, but he's really the, he's really that, that he's that guy in the band. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, there were two things in the entire mix or in the entire <laughs> collection of songs that I just, I just took in the wrong direction. He wanted them to go in a different direction. You know, and we caught those, um, I caught a handful of things that I wanted to tweak after having, having a couple days off from it. Right. And, um, and then that's, so that's the mix that I sent them. These, you know, them coming in for the last, last couple hours of, of the mixes that the the tweaking, getting things in their direction. Right. Right. Yeah.
3: Hmm. Interesting. Yeah.
0: All from that, uh, from a, from Shep's. Well, that 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 snare kick smash. Well, it, so it, it's the trick where he he sends he sends the kick and the snare drum to a to a to an aux bus, smashes the crap out of them to just get the room out of it. Okay, yeah, um, that makes yeah. sense. And that's that's what he does yeah i it it, <coughs> it brings up it brings up a lot of a lot of um and that's in parallel with the drums parallel right? with the drums yeah.
1: yeah 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 i i loved it it was um i've done things like that before in the past but i
0: um i really struggle with 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 parallel compression really uh, i i don't struggle with it i don't find it to be the thing i want most of the time
1: you know, like fair enough. I I I can see that because it it can definitely bring up some stuff that you don't necessarily want. Yeah, I even tried um, Andrew Sheps's
0: Um, he
1: does a parallel compression
0: on everything but the drums. Um, like one one stereo box track mm-hmm. that is squashed to the nines, brought up to help the things like. Like when the vocals come in, the guitars duck a little bit, and and then they come back. You know, th- things, I've done tricks like that. Things like that, right? Um, maybe I didn't spend enough time with it, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't make it work for the song that I was working on, and I didn't right. even try it
1: for the for. I like podcasts. parallel compression on vocals. I know you're a big fan of that, right? I'm a big fan of parallel predict- uh, compression in general but most people seem to really just use it for like snare and kick mm-hmm. like that's the main things that most people use it for Okay, but having read some articles from like Michael Brower and some other bigger names like they pretty much like Michael Brower in particular he's, he's got I uh, ideas where it's like I have a vocal and you know it sounds fine but I send it to six parallel channels, <laughs> all being smashed by a compressor. Just one compressor, like there is no gain staging. You just smash it to the point where that compressor is putting a lot of color yeah. on it. And then you just adjust to the... Taste. Yeah. So he sends out to six different compressors and then picks one that he likes the most? Maybe he'll even pick three oh. and blend them in. Oh, weird. Okay, but like even just one. To have, a vocal is pretty awesome, and to, to like,
0: have that much
1: that much um, hardware lying around. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I I do it all in the box, mm. so it's. I, yeah, I just take fair. what he says and kind of adjust it to work for me. Right. And it's pretty interesting to like send a vocal. To a compressor and compress the hell out of it, and then just bring it up right. in the, the in the mix, and it it you, you're finding that the, the like uh you like the level where your vocal is, but it, you're finding that it's maybe not standing out from the rest of the mix. Like I yep. find that if you do the parallel compression, it can actually add volume, perceived volume to right the vocalist without actually adding volume to the vocalist see that was the thing that that was the thing that i struggled with the most was
0: um the parallel compression aside from the kick and snare which which my intention was specifically to bring out the the tail of stuff um i felt like anything that i parallel compressed actually did just turn up the volume yeah, well, right. And, and it depends on the compressor I'm, too. Maybe I'm
1: because, like, yeah. sometimes with with uh, vocals, I'll do like the all buttons in and crank the living hell out of the knobs, Rick. Mm-hmm. And then at that point, you're adding grit to the vocal as well. Yeah. And then, I mean, usually, then there's another compressor just to tame just how loud I cranked everything because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Once you've turned those knobs pretty high to the point where it's really dirty. uh, It's pretty loud as well. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Uh, You typically need a way to pad that. I did... um, I did a
0: uh, parallel compression on an entire mix um, about this time last year. Uh, Country mix that made it down to the States um, on a handful of radio stations and even charted... Hit number—it was my first, the first ever song that I mixed that hit number one on any chart, um, and it hit some, some San Francisco country station their um, weekly chart hit number one um, for one week, I think, hmm. um, which was awesome. To like it was like a ego brush for me, but um, it was the only the only track that I've ever done uh, parallel compression on the whole mix and I liked what it did it just kind of filled out the song but it was on the mix or it was on the mix bus and so I was okay with the extra volume right i didn't i didn't feel like i'm suddenly having to re, uh, restructure gain staging or something Fair enough i
1: don't know. it it's it's a cool trick for different uses is uh depending on what compressor you use mm. like if you I think I'm gonna. I think I'm
0: gonna start um, trying that with uh, with the hardware compressors now. Now instead,
1: yeah. Well, it's typically something I wouldn't recommend using a transparent compressor on if if mm-hmm. you're gonna do. Yeah, what's the point of what's the point of? Yeah. there is no point in using a transparent compressor, uh, limiter, whatever, mm-hmm. in parallel. It, it, like, all it's going to do is just increase the perceived volume in that case. Whereas in most of the time when I do it and when I really like it, it's, I'm using a pretty colorful, uh, compressor and it's actually doing some pretty awesome stuff. So and that's the thing where it's like, oh, I'm hitting negative 20 dB gain it, reduction. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I uh, yeah. like that's essentially that's the sound of that compressor I want, and I'm trying to make that compressor sound ugly. Yeah, yeah, you're trying to bring out that that whatever character that compressor has. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, if there's any character that's added that I don't want, I can always EQ afterwards. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's right, eh?
0: Like, like you can always you can always throw another EQ on it. Yep, and.
1: Before Adjust. and after too. Like if you mm. won't be, if you're concerned that you're going to bring up too much low end with smashing the hell out of something, throw a, a high pass before and after. Yeah.
0: I'll th- throw multiple on there. I usually it's the low pass that I'm that I'm reaching for, in uh, in those kind of things. Yeah. Some r- really some really gentle
2: really gentle low pass kind of thing there
0: yeah speaking of of EQs uh, my brain's going in different directions but speaking of EQs I just tried out the uh, the Rupert Neve Designs 551 EQ sitting over there in the rack it's gonna hang out with us for a little while fuck me is it brilliant (laughs) hmm Like I, um, all last week, I did a, I did just pretty much last week was all vocal tracking. (coughs) I did a, uh, did a 18 year old, um, soul singer, um, that had kind of a, she had that weird, it was, she had an awesome voice. It was almost like a, like a folk thing. Tone wise, but she was singing soul. Um, that's meaningless, I know. Uh, but she had this really rich low end and this really pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so I set up the um, I set up the cathedral pipes, yeah. the Nashville Dam, the U forty seven, and and used used the five fifty one to bring up the high end because the the cathedral pipes is it's pretty dark, Mike, right? Mm-hmm. And I just notched down the low end a touch and just notched out this. She had this mid-range frequency that that uh I think she had a cold or something, right? Just notched that out a little bit. And the whole like the her her voice just came alive and was humongous. It was brilliant. So I went from that to doing a voiceover for a podcast, um imaging for a podcast. And again, the guy's voice that was doing it, he was um breathy voice, a lot like mine. But he had a really nice low end, tons of mid-range, and a really harsh high end. Right. And so I ran I ran the um the deesser in line with it. And after the after the uh, five fifty one, and it just smoothed it right out, and I was able to add so much beautiful top end. It was just awesome. <laughs> oh man, it was so sexy. And then did a Leonard Cohen style of poetry to music thing um, with this older gentleman.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to say late fifties type of thing, and he had this. He had this. wasn't He wasn't very. Practiced, not very practiced. He wasn't very experienced, right? Um, he was well practiced, but not very experienced. Um, but he had this wonderful, rich low end, and he didn't. He sat here again. I ran it through the exact same, the exact same thing. Had the uh, FMR, the uh, the RNC um, as the compressor on it, just to balance it out, right? And he sat here in the chair absolute love with how his voice sounded <laughs> so much so that, um, he had another voiceover, he had another session to do, to do more of this stuff booked with another studio in town and he canceled. He said he was going to cancel that.
1: And we've,
0: we've booked more sessions for, uh, for later in the winter.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. It's just, yeah. What you're going to purchase one now? Yeah. Cause I'm, I'm guessing yeah. you're borrowing that from somebody. Yeah. yeah as soon as I can find money
0: (laughs) the nice thing is the nice thing is this one's a long term loan because the guy wasn't using it at all but okay yeah but yeah eventually I'll probably even be throwing the guy like here's $25 here's another $60 here's another $15 what am I at now okay here's another $25 (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it's. Oh, do you need to get that? No, are you sure? Yep. All right. Just the missus. Just the missus. The one who tried to kill you in the mouth. Well, her this father. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Um. I want to I want to ask your opinion on, on, something that I came across had another client move to another studio. Okay. Um, and I want to lay out the situation from my perspective and I want you to poke holes in it.
1: I'm pretty good at that.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, poke, that,
1: poke holes in James thought. <laughs> James thought process. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty easy to do. I can so, do that. <clears throat> so the same,
0: the same country artist... Um, that I mixed last year that had the number one hit down in San Francisco. Right. Same guy. Um, we did, we did that song last winter. We did four more songs in the fall. No, not in the fall. Um, this spring. Right. Wait, the spring of 2016. Yeah. Okay. Um, and their budget fell out from underneath them. Okay. Okay. So the song that made it to the song that made it to um, number one, we finished for about sixteen hundred for the one song. Okay. Um, maybe seventeen once you factor in mastering, right? Um, you know what? There's Probably even a little more because I think they hired a fiddle player for that one. Oh, you know what? And they and they hired the bass player. That's right. Okay, so
1: bills adding up. Um, so it sounds like it's closer to 1500 or 2000, 20. Yeah. 2000, 2,500. Well, uh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So
0: let's say just over 2000. My yeah. part of it anyway was only 16. Right. Um, they, they, that song was kind of, was the first song that the artist had done in a studio. Um, I think he'd recorded some, some, some kind of like, basement demos um, with uh, a friend of his. Yeah. Um, but clearly not in the same, certainly not with the same intention. I think those were really just demos. Right. Anyway, <coughs> the um, the songs we ended up doing in the spring, we finished one for about the same, maybe just a little less. Um, and then they're Budget for the remaining three. Sorry, so song two, they had they had about the same budget for. Yeah. Although now that I remember back to how we did it, it was considerably less. Um they probably had they probably had a budget of about twelve hundred for the for the second song. Yeah. Um songs three, four, and five, the budget ended up being less than five hundred each to finish the songs. Okay? And so they got that value, right? Like right. they they clearly they clearly weren't going to be able to come up with with the money to have those songs sound as good, have me spend as much time making the songs sound as good as the first one. Right. I still think they sounded okay. I was still pretty proud of them, but I even myself I noticed the difference, right? right? Um, and it, I wasn't about to spend a thousand dollars worth of time to bring them uh, each to bring them up to to bring them up to spec, right? Right. That makes sense. Like I, I didn't do something wrong at that point. I don't think. Doesn't sound like it. So I find out. So there are five songs in. Yep. I find out that they are now recording at another studio. Okay. Um, which, in and of itself, I don't mind.
1: No. You usually don't mind that kind of
0: thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, different times, different people are the right fit. You know? Um, maybe they met someone new, or maybe they... Maybe they—I don't know. Anyway, my issue with with bands that go to another studio, and this this is where my pride gets hurt, and I know I shouldn't let it, but is they didn't they didn't say, "Hey, no, we've been recording with you, James, but we're going to go to this other studio." Um, don't have they? Don't even have to tell me why. Just it's always nice to have the respect. Maybe that's. I expected that I had their respect. Poked my, hole, my own holes.
2: Perfect. I don't have to do it for you.
0: Anyway, it was an issue. I saw it and I had that moment. I think it was just before Christmas, I even saw it. And I had that moment of, of concern. You know, I wonder what I could have done differently to avoid that.
3: Uh.
1: Mm. know People go to different studios for a number of different reasons. So, like mm-hmm. maybe someone's a friend of the guy at the studio and getting a deal on something a maybe. Deal. Yeah. Yeah. Or they just want to try something different. Could be see if they get different results or depending on the studio maybe it's a student that's willing to work for nothing. That's fair too. Um, they did have 58s on the floor,
0: Tom, or a 58 looking mic on the floor, Tom, not a 57, certainly not Hmm.
1: bigger room. And I mean, it really doesn't matter. I mean, no 58 on the floor, Tom 58, 57, same thing. It's just 58s got, it takes up more space.
0: Yeah, they they had lots of room.
1: the The drummer's setup was pretty, pretty well, open. I, I'm thinking in terms of like what in the uh, the drum heads itself. You have a 58 as opposed to a 57. That there's going to be that little bit because of the ball instead of just the. Not much bigger than the. It's it's really not much bigger than the
0: 421 not, though.
1: No, it's yeah. not. But yeah. <coughs> I mean, I plan on someday, hopefully, if a drummer allows me or if I get hired <laughs> to record a drum set, I would like to uh, take my Aston Spirits and put hmm. those on toms.
0: Oh, that'd be sexy. Right?
1: Yeah. I, I, now I know for sure that it can handle a stick hit. <laughs> It can survive a truck running over it. It can survive a stick hitting it.
0: My only concern with that, my only concern with that
1: would be um the, the amount of bleed.
0: Uh, you know what? I'm not even Although, so concerned about the bleed, because I mean you like you put you put, you you put have them in polar patterns. So you yeah, can do you like, put them like figure in figure eight,
1: eight. you can minimize bleed quite a bit, actually. Yeah.
0: You know? Um what's his nuts? Alan Parson. Um I saw Alan Parson do, uh do the do a video on the re-recording of some Pink Floyd record. Um where he was using he was using that the D nineteen um telephone D nineteen, d D nineteen. Right. The the Yeah. Yeah. Um and he had he they were he set them up as Tom mics, but he had them a good I don't know, it was at least eight inches above the Tom. Pointing straight down. But if this is the Tom surface, I don't know terrible radio, it was at, at least at least
2: that high above.
1: Huh. I could get in the way.
0: Well, but that's the thing is, is there was, there was the space between, I mean, it it wasn't directly over top. It was still, still, you know, kind of closer to the edge. Right. Right. And it would, the drummer should never
1: hit that. You would think, but drummers are, a good drummer, a good drummer wouldn't hit it. No. Yeah. But how often do we get to record good drummers? No, you're right.
0: <coughs> you're right. Anyway, so so my concern with the
1: my concern with the Aston
0: mics is is they're big enough that they could get in the way. Uh, yeah, right. Especially the spirit. And you hit it with a drumstick at drumstick velocity. That concussion <laughs> is gonna spike right down your signal chain and could possibly blow Uh something up. It wouldn't blow up a a good piece of analog gear, but it might blow up might blow up a
2: converter.
3: Hmm.
1: And I mean, but it it, it probably won't. Oh, that's a weird one because they apparently have a shock mount built into the microphone (sighs) as well as I would use a shock mount to mount the Microphone itself, too. So, but it's still that. I mean, you know how loud just but yeah, it tapping would be a, on the microphone sounds, well, and it, right? And it would be a stick hitting metal, so there would still be a clank of some kind, exactly. And that that would be that would be loud enough
0: at and on the microphone that uh, I think that you know that could be an issue. That being said, I mean, 440 uh, 414s are used on toms all the time and i've i've seen drum kits miked up with uh with u eighty sevens i saw telefunken did that did that um drum miking with the uh r f t series mics they had they didn't have copperheads they had uh they had the um a k forty seven on floor tom and snare or maybe it was floor tom and kick drum and then uh the mark sixteens Um, the uh, whatever they are on um, on mounted Tom and snare drum, and then oh you know it it was the Copperhead on snare drum, and then the fifty ones on um on uh, overheads.
1: Yeah, that that was awesome. I would love to do that (laughs) with my Astons just because I know how big how huge that drum would sound. Right. Instead of like your thinner, more plunky kind of dynamic microphone sound.
0: I don't know, man. Dynamics aren't necessarily thin.
1: Uh, 57s are thin. Yeah. 57s are thin, but, but dynamics kind of give you a more like ping kind of a noise, I guess. Get a lot more stick. Um, uh, I, I would think you would get a lot more stick with a condenser because it's more sensitive to that kind of. But noise. you'd also get the the resonance of the the drum itself more. I I would think. Uh, maybe. I don't know. It's an experiment. I would that like want to, to try. To, yeah. <laughs> and okay. I'm sure, like. <laughs> There's only like the handful of tracks that would ever call for it, but it would still be something I would like to try out.
0: Well, there are some, there are some engineers that swear by it, right? Yeah.
1: So. Well, there's that guy with the umbrella. I can't remember his name. I have no idea. Umbrella? Uh, Yeah. He has a, what is called a drum umbrella in his studio and it's, he's got a remote that increases the height of this umbrella and it's just it's pretty much just foam above the uh, the drum kit oh yeah and he can increase the height of it it, to change the sound of the room right Uh, this is the same guy who also like built his before people were manufacturing the robot arms for cabinets he had built this okay so it's and I mean this guy's also designed his own like in his room he has a mixing board that he designed.
0: Oh, is this the guy like he, he built the mixing board out of
1: API channel strips? Uh I'm not About sure. I uh, I know that he had put so much thought into the board that he thought of the reflections coming off of the board and then thus put like a weird kind of metal
0: Oh yeah. On it. Isn't that isn't that Valentine? Yeah, that's yeah. yeah. Valentine, that's um, the guy. Why can I not remember his first name? Yeah, yeah. He's, but
1: but he's, that guy swears by um, like one microphone on the drums. Like a single overhead microphone type of thing? Like, yeah, mono microphone. And then he just sends it to several tracks and he EQs to get whatever out. Really? So if he wants more snare, he just goes into one track that is his dedicated, I'm going to enhance the snare crack and he just eqs what? it out yeah
0: man i've heard of that as like a salvage but damn man
1: no he, he just uses one microphone uh, on drums or he swears by it he occasionally will use multiple microphones but he's he's very like minimalist in that's fucked up what man. you use for drums he I doesn't mean, want to drum every single individual <laughs> thing that's on the kit you can only work with good drummers then.
0: Uh, and I mean, it's Valentine. He's, so he's probably only working with good drummers. But
1: but he, he also, uh, when this video I saw of him like doing this, he, he straight up said, like, mic placement is everything in this case. Like, you need something that will get everything. Yeah. It has to sound fantastic. It has to sound like a finished product from the microphone alone before you add compression or EQ. And the compression and EQ I use is strictly just to get the additional character that I'm looking for out of it. It was was insane watching him do it. Because he had like three or four tracks that were just the one microphone. And like you just high pass, low pass, maybe send to a compressor. Right. And just EQ'd it to get certain sounds out of it. That's messed up, man. Yeah. It was really cool to see. And uh, uh, like apparently what inspired him was the fact that the Beatles miked like that way back in the day. Yeah, but they did that out of necessity.
0: Yeah. And it's not and like
1: t- it's not like those drums sounded great. But like it, that was a necessity for back in the day. It's just like that, right. and there are plenty of drums that sounded fantastic. Well, and I mean, as engineers were able to find like the good spots for that one microphone.
0: With that in mind, why not go back to the '60s when,
1: when you could, or when you
0: had to set up um, one microphone in the room and then move the band members around the room to find the right mix? Yeah, right. You'd probably experiment with that too. Yeah, yeah, he probably has. I have one of my students pushing, pushing for us to do that uh, for one of the studio session, um, the Sunday night studio sessions we do on G Radio.
1: Yeah. No. Uh, that's
0: yeah. Well, they, they, that's the thing is you have to have if you're going to do that, you have to have you have to have musicians that can control their own dynamics. Yeah. Which is not hard. But most musicians don't practice that. And so they just don't have that skill, right?
1: Well, it's a, that's the thing where the band has to be well rehearsed and yeah, and then you have to actually like, as an engineer, they have to be rehearsing in front of you and you have to be setting things up to try and find where the microphone needs to be. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's a lot of wasted time. Yeah. Whereas you could just throw a couple of microphones up like in today's day and age, you don't need to do that back then you did because you had maybe four tracks and you had to record a, a, like a seven piece jazz band or mm-hmm. whatever. Well, and, and you
0: needed a good room. Yeah. And you needed yeah.
1: back in the days. If you wanted you big drums, you needed a big room, three days to set up. Yeah. Right. Um,
0: that brings me back to that, that I've probably mentioned this before that Michael Buble Christmas record that he made in 2011. Right. Um, it, it was, it was like a week long setup, um, before Buble even showed up and they had, they had the orchestra, they had the big band, they had the
1: backup singers, um, the horn section. I heard like that was pretty common practice before like, the main producer or whoever is in charge of the project would come in. Like there were yeah. assistant engineers and all sorts of people setting things up to be ready. Well, just makes, we it just still right? kind of do it today where it's like, if we were to book somebody in, we're spending an hour before they get here setting up. It's just back in those days, there was a lot more to think about because you had, more limitations and you had to make sure you had it right yeah well
0: and, and yeah
1: but, I think that's one of the reasons
0: why I like to do setup, and then take a break you know like get the band set up and then go for lunch go for dinner go for a coffee break go for a you know go home come back the next day
3: yeah you know
0: get the setup taken care
1: of and then start recording fresh it's I know I've lost some recording jobs because of telling them about setup. Bands don't think about that. Roland
0: has become really good at, I don't want to say he bullies, but he's been really good at convincing bands to, um, to do a proper setup.
1: Um, phylactery. I think that's how they pronounce the name, Phylactery. Uh, sounds familiar. So he's probably said something. Yeah, yeah. So he um he recorded their
0: band, their 11 song record in 3 days. Friday they set up, spent about 8-9 hours in setup. Yeah. Um Saturday they recorded all 11 songs, the bed tracks. And then Sunday they recorded all 11 songs, the vocals and overdubs.
1: Okay. Yeah. Did they do any scratch tracks on the setup day? They did not. Did they do scratch tracks at all?
0: They had, uh, they had metronome tracks and that was it.
1: And those were pre? Pre Pre-done. Yeah. Okay. So they probably used those as scratch
0: tracks. They did pre-production on all the songs. um, And, and they, they got together to make sure that all the tempo mapping was done and all that kind of stuff, but it was thrash metal. So it was just, I don't imagine there were many tempo changes within songs. I know. Sure. A I don't
1: of really yeah. listen to thrash metal, so Yeah. I I heard the mixes. I heard the mixes. They sound really good. <coughs> that is that the band that he was having issues with Masters? No, that was his own band. Okay. That was his own band. They're more doom.
0: Doom meets death metal. Okay. Yeah. Um uh the solution turned out to be um, the guy the guy that mastered it whoever it was yeah. um, should have should have written back and said hey like the low end on your floor tom and the low end on your kick drum is just too overwhelming you gotta take care of that because um, that's that's what he did he and I sat down and we just hacked up the low end so that it was a little more
1: balanced his, uh, his masters were being ducked because of the low end the so the they weren't being ducked, they were just like the low end was the low
0: end was eliminated to make it to make it oh okay yeah, like it was it was squashed so much that it was just kind of non-existent yeah, and then the floor tom itself was actually distorting on every hit
1: oh yeah, all right, okay, I remember hearing about the distortion
0: yeah, and then he he got a hold of the guy,
1: and the guy said, oh
0: man like if if that happened like that's that you know." the uh, The Mastering engineer took full responsibility um my suspicion is that he had one of his assistants do it no <laughs> <laughs> oh. um but um because apparently they have quality control over there anyway <clears throat> took full responsibility um gave Roland the option to do a, to do a uh, mix adjustments and then resubmit and the masters he got back were he was way happier with
1: okay yeah, that makes yeah. sense. Everything I know, was coming through properly. Yeah. I do mastering. I try to do that. I'm like, hey, yeah. this might be a problem. Can you fix that? Like, especially with like bands that put a lot of low end, and I can hear it and be like,
3: eh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> hey, now <laughs> you might want to tame that because the moment I slap a compressor on there, it's gonna sound weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Um. So, start of 2017.
0: Um, I want to cover this before, you know what? No, I'm going to jump into the last thing. How is your song coming?
1: This, this right and release. That's pretty much why I said I set up Reaper is like, that's how, that's, that's, that's how, how far along I got is okay. I set up Reaper.
0: That's, <laughs> that's, um, you know, that's,
1: okay. which was majority of the day was setting up like a lot of virtual instruments and virtual mm. amps and stuff like that. Getting yourself ready to actually start working on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I spent a little time trying to make a template. But the more I thought about it, it's like, how do you make a songwriting template? It doesn't make sense to make one. I made one
0: three, four years ago when I was working with Monarch Sky. Um, I did, I did a songwriting template specifically for them, where I had <coughs> it was all simple stuff, but uh, programmed drums. Uh, a bass track and two guitar tracks with with um, software amps, VST amps, right? Yeah. Well. And it was easy to plug in and and just write down ideas. That
1: makes more sense for a band. Yeah. But um, and that's it. We're gonna get cut off.
0: Yeah. Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water.
1: You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet?
0: <laughs> I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this. We didn't introduce ourselves.
1: On to the internet you go. Go switch off.